0: Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good morning. Uh, this is Trey. I'm I'm here with uh, Dennis, who's helping us do the show. Uh, Stephanie's not able to make it. I uh, had a funeral; she had to go to, and um, so. We're going to have a great show today, but I'm going to start with, a, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, also this will be airing uh, on St. Maximilian Kolbe's Feast Day. And so... Um, given the fact that we have one of our children named after him, uh, Saint Maximilian Kolbe, please pray for us as well. So, hey, so um, I thought today that that it would be good to kind of go back and review. Given this, this will air the day before uh, the solemnity of um, the Assumption of Mary into heaven, and I think it's important for us to understand. Um, what that teaching entails and then hopefully be able to deliver it to our children and then, then help us to recognize um, how some of that might apply. I think more of this will be kind of directed towards um, towards seeing that it's important that we know what it means that Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. And so, Hopefully this will give you as parents an opportunity to be able to teach your kids this. Maybe it'll be a refresher course uh, on that. Um, also, we'll we'll tie it into probably some other things that we've talked about before with regard um, to the body. But anyway, given the fact that, that August 15th is um, that solemnity and that we'll be celebrating, I think it's a good time um, to focus on that here. So... With that in mind, and unfortunately, with Stephanie being out, but she was at a funeral, like I said. Um, we'll um, we'll get started. So, anyway, the the assumption of Mary, it's important to know, has been defined infallibly by the Church, and therefore, it is something that we as Christians um, hold as something. It's not. It's a non negotiable, and like many of the teachings I think of of, on Mary, um, the immaculate conception and the assumption of Mary body and soul um, into heaven um, often cause some angst in terms of how, (laughs) how do we explain it to our, um, to our children? And then how do we explain um, it to our Protestant brothers and sisters? First thing, With regard to this, I'm going to go ahead and read um, just on on her assumption um, from, from the Catechism. This is 966 in the Catechism. It says, finally, the Immaculate Virgin preserved free from all stain of original sin when the course of her earthly life was finished, was taken up body and soul into heavenly glory, and exalted by the Lord as queen over all things so that she might be more fully conformed to her son, the Lord of Lords and conqueror of sin and death. The assumption of the blessed Virgin is a singular participation in her son's resurrection and an anticipation of the resurrection of other Christians. So the, fir- the first point here is that this assumption is tied closely to the fact that she was conceived without sin, was protected from um, original sin. And so I think that it's really key to remember that that's both of these, all of these are a participation in, in Jesus. This should not detract at all from, from our being able to point to Jesus as our Savior and as the Savior of Mary, our mother. So do not forget i mean she even uses those words in the magnificat when she when she says you know um all generations will call me blessed cuz my savior what my savior has done <laughs> for me so we have to be important to remember what 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 we're saying when we're saying that she was conceived without original sin the immaculate conception and when she is assumed into heaven um, that it's all because of Jesus. It's all a participation in what is Jesus. So, number one, first thing is, Jesus is the only reason that she can do this. Mary is not God. She is not divine. She is a human person, a human being, not a divine being like Jesus, a human being, And that should fire us up, I mean, because that is actually showing us what life will be like, at least in a glimpse, as humans, once he comes back again. (laughs) She is proof positive that what he did on the cross was intended for us. She's proof positive that it is something that is already being realized by a human person in a singular way, in a special way, in a way that is a little bit different than us in that we, all who are listening, myself included, um, have had original sin. And if we've been baptized, that original sin has been taken away. But it shows that we're meant to be a body and soul composite and that's that's where we've we've talked about last few times about the theology of the body and about the fact that the body is meant to be sacred and this is why this is why the church, while it has changed and said that, that not, not changed while it has said that it's possible for um, for various reasons for someone to cremate somebody who has has died, that what they want to make sure of is that we don't diminish the body by doing that. So that's why the church would say, you don't, you have to put it somewhere sacred, the ashes somewhere sacred. You would not go out on the ocean and, and, and spread them out over the waters or anything like that for the purpose of recognizing that this body that we are in in our fallen nature is going to be resurrected at some point. And when Jesus comes back again, it will be resurrected and reunited with us. So why does the church hold fast to this? Because it's important for us to remember that the body, while fallen, and while um, a purveyor of original sin, is and does have goodness in it, and that when Jesus came and died and, and offered himself, um, to the Father as a perfect sacrifice, that He redeemed the human body, and as such, He is. We're waiting for the fullness of the redemption of our bodies, which is what Saint Paul says in Romans um, eight. We groan, waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We have to be as Catholics, bodily people. <laughs> We have to recognize that our bodies are important. They are sacred. They are the way that who we are is communicated to this world and is also the the way which this world communicates itself to us. And so very much important to this teaching of the assumption of her body, I mean of her, of Mary body and soul, the entirety of her person is that we recognize that that's what, that our bodies are special and that we should do that. So as with our children, we should, we should, when we get, go to church on Sunday, I mean, on Wednesday or on Tuesday night, it's, it's a good time to talk about, say, for example, when we go to church, you know, we're going to stand and we're going to kneel and we're going to probably have incense and that they're gonna be all these different things, these sounds with bells and the music and that all of that, this is a good time going into that to talk about the fact that there's a reason that the church um, does so much in worship that makes us encounter that worship through various senses. In in a sense, it is honoring or at least pointing to the fact that our humanity um, is in trouble because of sin, our bodies are meant to be holy, our bodies are meant to be something that we um use and that we recognize as good so I would take take this time to say hey when you're t- when when we're going to church or going to mass, we're saying that Mary is showing us what our glorified bodies would be like, what we are called to be ultimately when Jesus comes again. And so it, it points us to, to that fact. So use this time to to uh tell them to, you know, be reverent in how they cross themselves, to be reverent in terms of what they say and to recognize the different things. Um, that are going on, the smells that they may hear they may smell the sounds that they may hear, the standing, the sitting, um the kneeling, and maybe ever maybe you' didn't ask them we've done this, we did this a bunch when we were younger is hey, as you're going through, pray the Holy Spirit as we 're going through mass, stay focused on Jesus. But ask God to, to to provide you with a question that you want to ask. And so when we come out, you know, maybe on a on a on a solemnity like that, a holy day like that, I mean, that's a day that should be a celebrated day. It should be a day that's done. So maybe as a family, you talk about the body. You recognize that bodies need to be fed, and so we're going to go have dinner, or we're going to have. Something special, it could be maybe it's ice cream or a slush or whatever it is, cookies and milk doesn't have to be anything fancy what it what it needs to do is that we can say let's sit around and let's just take another take another thirty minutes with our bodies or sitting around each other, and everybody's going to have a chance to ask a question that came up as a result of their participation in the mass I think that's a that's a healthy um opportunity. And then we can talk about the fact that, you know, God gives us food um, and he gives us food because we as humans are meant to be nourished by it. And so we as Catholics need to make sure that we are focusing on the body, not by itself, but but that we're saying that the body, while it can be something that um, can lead us astray, it should be made subject to our to our souls it is good while not perfect yet it is good while not glorified yet but it is it is good and is meant to be sacred and we as catholics need to need to recapture that um from that flows teachings on all kinds of things which i think are important to to lay the groundwork at something like this so Go to the Mass, maybe before, talk about, hey, we're talking about the glorified assumption of Mary, body and soul into heaven, that that's the way when Jesus comes again, we're going to be. We're going to be reunited with our souls. We are going to be able to um, hug one another. We're going to be able to recognize one another. I mean, think how joyful that that is, and that we're getting a glimpse of that in this solemnity Because Mary, who is not God, who is not divine, who is a person like us, except for the fact that she was protected from original sin, is showing us what we can expect um, because of our salvation, because of what Jesus did for us. And um, so use that time to talk about that. Maybe ask them to think of one question that they're going to have at the end, then maybe showing the body, take them to dinner, go home for some ice cream, something that's a celebration because we're excited about the fact that Mary is, um, is showing us what we can expect and that whether we, um, die, um, before or after one another, whatever it is, someday we will see each other again and be able to recognize one another because we will be reunited with our bodies and we'll be able to be, to hug one another and to be, human. So um, hopefully that's enough of that on on that part of it. The other thing that's critical to remember is if you look at this on all of these things, Mary's protected from sin, from original sin and and all sin by God's grace, a singular grace, meaning the only one to ever (laughs) have that as a human, to be protected that way. That Mary is assumed into heaven, and that can be compared against Jesus's ascension into heaven. All this is pointing to the fact that Jesus is the center. Jesus is the focus of us as Catholics. Mary always points us to Jesus. Mary always says, as she says in um, John 2, Forgive me. At the at the wedding feast in Cana, you know, do whatever he tells you, is is what she's always doing to us. So there's never a thing where if we ask her for prayers, that she's not going to be praying for exactly what God intends, because her will is fully united with that. Um, but again, she is infinitely different. Um, in the fullness of her being, from Jesus, Jesus is God. She is His mother, and therefore she is the mother of God. But she is fully human. So what I'm, my point is is that we have to remember that she is assumed, meaning she's there's a passiveness to it. She is being brought into heaven. Jesus when he ascends it's it's more like you, me walking up the stairs he's doing it himself and bringing it up which again points us to the fact that Mary is not god but she is um she is somebody who um has trusted completely and fully in what her son has has delivered and has been brought that way i mean has brought into uh, heaven with him. So again, so Jesus is the whole reason for anything that we celebrate about Mary. Jesus is the one that we praise and give glory to and honor and praise to God the Father, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. Um we give praise to them for what they did in and through Mary and with Mary through with and in Mary to give us great hope, to give us Christian hope, to give us um, something to be excited about. But it all stems from what Jesus did on the cross. Now that's another point that I think that is really important because a lot of people I think have problems. This is, I guess, point number three with regard to this, I guess to a certain extent you could look at the assumption because the assumption o- occurs in time well after um, Jesus's crucifixion, I mean passion death and resurrection, but it's tied to her immaculate conception, and her immaculate conception, her being conceived without sin in the womb of St Anne is well prior to Jesus's even Jesus's birth. And what that points us to is this it's very important for us as Catholics to rem- remember that we are in time, as long as we are on this planet, we are in time, and um, we are bound by time. And there's chrono- chronology, you know, there's this happens before that, and and then before that. And you can always point to something, and, and anybody that's taking a history class can do a timeline and say, well, this happened, you know, two years before this. God's not like that. God is in Eternity and and it's the it's the everlasting now of that eternity. God is always it's always now. That's why He says I am. And why is that that why is that important? Well, it's important because even though in time Jesus died on a day in you know outside Jerusalem on Calvary was crucified and He rose from the dead, there, in time, the, in eternity, everything is kind of viewed through that lens. And so God has the ability to apply the graces, the infinite graces, that Jesus, as God dying on that cross in his humanity, body, blood, soul, and divinity, dying, is able to have those graces go throughout time and be made available to us. Again, we call Mary full of grace. Um, That's what the angel calls her, full of grace. Well, grace was made available in its fullness because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. When the angel Gabriel shows up and talks to Mary, Jesus hadn't even been born yet. He's just about to be conceived with her consent yet he calls her full of grace. That's because God, in the person of Jesus, died on that cross in time, but he's able to apply those graces across time. So why that? Why is that important? Number one, it points to the fact that it's not like everybody who died before um, Jesus came is all necessarily going to hell. In fact, we see that people rose from the dead, and were brought into heaven. We, as Catholics, would say, you know, people like Saint Joseph, uh, but probably Moses and John the Baptist and others who, in time, preceded Jesus in death. Those graces were made available to them so that they might, um, in their in the way that they lived their life and they're fully trying to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, were able to go to heaven. Because of Jesus, not 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 in, not in spite of Jesus, but because of Jesus, Jesus opened up heaven and allows them to come. So it's important to remember that grace is basically the pinnacle of that. Is his life? Is his life, death, life, passion, death, and resurrection, and all the graces that flow from that are able to flow throughout time. That's one. When you go to mass on Wednesday, and this may be more than you can do, always remember that at mass in particular, we are both in time and in eternity in that moment. We, we have to have that supernatural vision, that, that view that what's going on when we go to mass is something amazing. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, um, It may not feel amazing, (laughs) it may feel like every other Mass, but we have to remember that, you know, faith means that we trust in the truth that God's revealed, even in spite of the fact that it may not look like what we believe. So in the Mass, we are in heaven. While we're sitting at St. Mary's or at St. Anthony's or whatever church you you go to, we are in heaven. We are at the foot of the cross at at the mass. We are in the presence of, and this is, I think, a great, you know, at, at different times, certainly when we get to October, it's a great time to remember. But you can do you can do it anytime is to recall that when we're at when we're at mass, we're in the presence of all those who've gone before us. So those people that, that we may miss because they've, they've died, um, we're praying for them. Hopefully that they've made it to heaven and, and they're, not, they're no longer in purgatory, um, but that they've made it to heaven. And then we're asking them to pray for us, but that we come into contact with. For me, it's my mother, my, grand, my grandparents, um, people who I miss are, are there. We need to get back to talking about the fact that we can go and be with them in spirit, in in Christ, um, as members of his body. But the other cool thing is, is, particularly on a feast day like this, is that one day, one day I'll be able to introduce my grandfather to My children, (laughs) you know, I can, I can tell them stories. I can show them pictures. I can, I can even in some cases provide them with videos, but one day body and soul reunited. We will, I'll be able to say, Hey, (laughs) I want you to come over and meet somebody. Um, that to me, um, it will bring a little bit of tears to my eyes because most of my kids did not meet my mother. Um, None of my kids met my grandfather or grandmother on my mother's side or my uncle or, and I can go down the list of people who were so important to me, people I was close to, people that when they died, I was sad Um, and I miss them very much. But we need to remember to teach our kids that when we're at mass that we are in a, in our bodies are now entering into eternity in this and that we are in a way that we can't see or really fully experience being brought into union with all these people from the past, all these people who mom and dad have talked about or shown pictures of, and that at this great solemnity that we can begin to talk to them about one day I'll be able to, let's all get to heaven, all right? Let's do everything we we can to get to heaven because we want to get to heaven in order so that I can actually have you meet Boppy or Bommie, you know, my my names, insert your names, to, to meet my mother and to hear about from them, you know, all the prayers that they were saying for us and the struggles that we went through and the times that we felt, I mean, just like... Getting together and talking with them it excites me thinking about it, but we need to, you know, we've got to let our kids know what's really going on in mass. We have to go back to it, back to it, and recognize that that it's there that we are most intimately united with Jesus. And through him, with him, and in him, with the entirety of his body, and with God himself, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, in a way where the family of God is coming together in a way that doesn't look like it where we are, but it is. And so, um, I don't know why anybody would ever be bored at Mass, (laughs) If they are bored, it's only because they don't recognize what what's going on. So let's challenge ourselves to to say, and if you don't listen as a parent, if if this is either new to you or 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 you don't can't generate those, I'm not asking you to generate those emotions. What I'm what I would challenge you to do is to take what I'm saying, um, because it's consistent with the church, what the church teaches. And ask God to just open up that thing that I've closed off to him. Allow me to experience um, in the mass um, this and then allow me to show my children and to talk to my children about the great, opportunity it is to go to mass we get to go to mass we don't have to go to mass we always say that we we get to go to mass is the way we we don't have to we get to and I think it's really important for us as parents to raise our kids that way well this solemnity is right at the heart of that because what it says is all the things that we're going through the difficulties that we may have as as it will one day be, um, taken away one day, um, following our death, or if Jesus comes while we're here, <laughs> um, everybody will be reunited with their, with their bodies and the ones who are saved will, um, go to heaven as humans, as human beings, as glorified human beings. And that's the way we're meant to be. That brings me to the fourth one, which is kind of overlay of all of this, is that that the body and soul unity, we're meant to be body and soul. I, we've talked about this a lot, but I think it's very important that we remember that our soul's not trapped in us. <laughs> our soul is not aching to try to get away from our body. Sin entered, and because of sin, death separates us. Our body and soul—that's an unnatural state. That's a, that's a state. That's why people fear death. That's why, that's why, because we recognize, built deep down within us, this that our soul and our body met together to be together. The other thing that I think body and soul unity points us to is, I think that every time that I. I'm convicted that I shouldn't have handled something one way or I should have handled it another way or, man, I, I wish that I hadn't eaten that much or I wish that I hadn't said what I said. There is a sense of of us recognizing that there's who we are in our soul that's made manifest in and through our bodies and that when who we are doesn't match or who we're called to be in holiness doesn't match what we're saying or what we're doing when what, what our bodies do is say that maybe this is more important than other more important things. Uh, When, when we say that maybe eating that second, that more food than we should, when we know we shouldn't um, is, is a, is a way that we get convicted because we know, in our intellect and in our will, which is in our soul, we know that we shouldn't have done that, um, and so we're meant to be a body soul unity, and that's again why we talked about for for many times talking about the fact that as our kids grow up, and always this always is pointing towards the talk eventually, but but right now, when they're younger, to teach them that. There's a way that we talk to one another. That we look, we look each other in the eyes when we're talking. That if we say we're sorry, but we either roll our eyes or say it in a flippant way without looking remorseful, that our body soul unity is somehow disrupted. Right? I mean, if I say I'm sorry, but I say yeah, I'm sorry, it's something like that. Not really being. sorry about it, then there's a disconnect between what we're doing with our body, the way we're saying the words, the way they're coming out of our mouth, and what we should be feeling inside. And that's why, you know, even in secular circles, there are things called body language. You know, there's a way you carry yourself. It it communicates something about, you know, in, in baseball If any dads are out there listening, I mean, in baseball, I mean, I know for for the longest time, one of the coaches, his one of his biggest things was was body language. You know, the way the way you carry yourself, say after you strike out or after you make an error, um, that you can tell what's going on inside a person if you just look at their body, and in the the mere fact that the coach is telling the player. Watch your body language shows us that our soul, our intellect, and our will is meant to be over our body, is meant to be in charge of our body. So that when we start, you know, dipping our shoulders or lowering our head or making a face or whatever that communicates something different, that we can actually will our body to do the right thing, to act the right way. So even in sports, Um, I think it's important to teach what we're teaching here. So if you have a kid playing in a sport, boy or girl, I mean, I'm volleyball or whatever. I mean, I still, to this day, talk to my kids about body language. If you have a film of it, you can show them, okay, this is bad body language. What does this, what does this communicate? It can be anger. It could be disgust. It could be whatever, but whatever it is and say, this is how, you know, you need to control your body and make sure that it's done. We'll see you see how that extends to everything including sexuality going forward. If you're teaching your kids in sports what we're going to be celebrating in the mass on the solemnity of the assumption, what's going to happen is we're going to extend that out into the real world and and just show that we're meant to control our bodies and that by God's grace, we can control their body. That by God's grace, which was given to us, um, made available to us because of what Jesus did on the cross, dying for us, and then was risen from the dead, that's applied to and we can see in a special way in Mary, but is for us. That, our, that we are meant to be masters of our own bodies. Um, that is something that's so critical um, <laughs> today because I think most people, I think this world says, you know, just give in to whatever it is. You know, if you like that, do that. Um, no sense of hey, our intellect and our will has got to look at what we're doing, we've got to engage that, and then we've got to translate that into how do I act? What would I say in this circumstance? How would I... What would be better? And that's why modeling as a parent is so important. When a kid makes a mistake or does something that they shouldn't have done with their bodies, then what do you do? You say, hey, this is how you could have handled it. And So maybe you let... maybe you, Maybe you could have said this... Or maybe this body language could have been changed to that. That's how you model for them. You know, for me, (laughs) for me, the reality is sometimes the best way to teach them how not to do something is to point right back at something I've done to them, Um, meaning that I've made the mistake. I've said something I shouldn't have said. I've handled something in a way that I shouldn't have handled it. And to ask for forgiveness and say that is not appropriate. It's not okay. Um, you know, I used a word I shouldn't have used um, thinking it was going to make a point. And well, the only point it made was that I didn't control my, <laughs> my mouth. I should have uh, slowed down and allowed for myself to think through this and recognize that that was not a, a good use. Well, what I do, I humbled myself before the kids that were involved. And I said, I was just wrong. there's no excuse for what I said, none, and for that, I ask for your forgiveness that by itself is a witness um that by itself is probably a better teaching tool for us. We're not perfect, I mean maybe Dennis is he's sitting here, but <laughs> he's shaking his head, so maybe not, but somebody out there might be, but if you're- if you're like me and Dennis then 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 um, I think that. I think it's important for us to remember that sometimes a way to model it is to model how you respond when your body language or your body words (laughs) or the words that come out of your mouth aren't what they should be. Because that's, again, saying my soul that knew better did not control my body and allowed those words to come out of my mouth (laughs) when, when when they should have done that. I mean, they should have, my soul should have been the master of my body. And when it's not, that's what, that's what happens when sin happens, when the body becomes the dictator, you know, when the body takes over, the soul doesn't really think about it and they go, and they go, well, in Mary, what we have is the perfection of a soul being over her body, the because she didn't have sin. And she never experienced sin. So we can see in the way she responds, whether it's at the, the wedding feast at Cana or the way she responds to um, St. Elizabeth when John the Baptist is there, or the way she responds at the foot of the cross. Um, what you see there is somebody who is able to subject, because of God's grace, that. Again, I guess the next thing I want to talk about is The reason she's capable of doing what she's done, of being the great example that she is, is exactly because she's full of grace, right? And that grace is a gift from her son, from God the Father and, and God the Holy Spirit, that as Christians, we believe God's grace actually elevates our nature. God's grace makes us capable of doing more, not like magic, but by our cooperating with it, Allows us to do more than we could do without that grace. elevates us so that God might be glorified in that. And so again, it's Jesus is doing it. It's not surely an act of the will. So what is a what's a way of recognizing grace? You know, I had a moment where in 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 a bit of anger, I there was a voice that said, Oh Trace, slow down. <laughs> you know, I could do it. And I let the anger go by that. The grace was Was, was that voice inside me saying, "Hey, you need to stop," (laughs) but I went past that line. Well, I didn't cooperate with grace. I have to learn to cooperate to recognize God's grace available to me. Mary in the Assumption. And in her Immaculate Conception and her entire life and in, and where she finds herself now and what we celebrate about her is all because she was full of grace. And we need to recognize that we are in need of grace to reorganize, to subordinate, to make sure that our bodies are made subject to our to our souls to our intellect and our will and that our intellect and our will are informed and strengthened by God's grace as well so remember that grace elevates our nature grace helps us to do what we're called to do and things that we couldn't do without God's elevating our nature through that grace so that brings us to hey we're going to mass we're going to be talking about the body And so we're going to maybe have a few questions on that. We're going to talk about those who've come before us and the fact that when we're there, we're actually in the presence of those people. Um, We're going to talk about the need for God's grace to overcome that, that our body and our soul need to be in alignment with one another, that that what we know to be true, good, and beautiful needs to be made manifest in our words and in our deeds and our actions and the way we treat other people in those moments. We have to do that. But it all flows from the fact, just like with Mary, Jesus is at the heart of this. What Jesus did for us is what every celebration should be about. (laughs) What Jesus did for us is he died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit to establish church, gave us a mother like Mary to point us to the fact that we need grace. So probably the last thing that I would say is we've got to remember where grace is made available to us. Grace can be made available to us in many ways. And people, we just run into contact. We read our Bible. Um, When we pray, there's so many different ways that grace can be made available. But one of the beauties of what Jesus has given to us in the church is that we can be certain that certain graces are made objectively available to us when we frequent the sacraments. When we frequent the sacraments, we can be guaranteed that grace is there objectively. So what does that mean? So why do we go to mass? Why would we go to mass? Because Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity, and what looks like a piece of bread, is made present there. One of the prayers that I that I pray in in and around um, the consecration, to me, is thanking Mary for her yes, her yes, allowing for Jesus to be able to come into this world. Because God doesn't force Himself on anybody; He has to be welcome but it does demand a response the catechism says as much that grace demands a response well Mary provided the perfect yes thank you for that yes Mary and may I mimic that yes as I receive um, the fruit of what your yes gained for us which is Jesus made available to us In the Eucharist. So grace is available there. When you sin, when you say something you shouldn't say or do something you shouldn't have done and you recognize it, when you sin, where do you go to get God's grace? Go to a priest, go to confession, go to the sacrament of reconciliation and penance. That should be something that we schedule, that we put in the schedule, that we make. Why? Because (laughs) It is a place where we receive grace. Objectively, we know if we are truly sorry for our sins, and if we will confess those and listen to the priest who's sitting in the person of Christ there, who is his, is Jesus Himself, is the way we should see Him as He hears our confession. That when we're absolved of our sins, we receive the grace of that wonderful peace that's given to us, but we can also know that God is providing the grace to accomplish what that sacrament is a sign of, which is a sign of forgiveness, uh, a sign of being um, separated from that sin, for that sin being blotted out. And so we we go there. Um, that's why as parents... With our kids as we raise them, it's very important that we fully understand what we're doing, but that we give our children all three of of the um, sacraments of initiation, that we baptize them, that we um, confirm them, that we give them training and what they need to become to to receive Jesus body blood soul and divinity to receive their first holy communion and the many communions after that. Why because that's where grace is. For us as we've talked about before as married couples living in the sacrament of holy matrimony, we got to remember that we can call on the grace of that sacrament. Because the grace of a sacrament actually helps us accomplish that which we're meant to signify. So it helps us to become one with one another, right? No no longer two, but one. His grace helps us to do that. Everything that we need to be able to live as a husband and wife, as parents of our children, we can call on that grace because the grace of the sacrament of matrimony is meant to strengthen us, to allow us to do what we must do, that we might be good proper signs of the Trinity, proper signs of Jesus and his church, all of that. And so I think that it's really critical (laughs) that we remember um, and use this midweek mass, this, this holy day of I, I, it is a holy day of obligation. The church is saying you've got you've got to go. But I would hope that y'all would look at it as a holy day of opportunity, a holy day of of hey, we get to go do this. We don't have to go do it. You do have to, <laughs> but but we should look at it as you know it, it's something that God is giving to us a great blessing in the middle of this week where we can look at what He's accomplished in and through and by, the, by Jesus and what he did on the cross and how it's made manifest in the person of Mary, his mother, and ours. And that we can look at those different things, the fact that body and soul unity, the, the fact that, um, that Jesus is the whole reason. If we're, if we're honoring Mary, it's because of what Jesus did for her. We'll call her blessed because of what God, her Savior, did for her. This idea that eternity and time are coming into contact with one another at that Mass, at every Mass, that we are actually going to be able to come in contact with and, 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 and begin to sense the fact that we're going to be able to be someday with the people who've gone before us in faith. It's an exciting time. What I'm saying is, is use this Wednesday. So this is airing on, on Tuesday, the 14th use, you know, now till you go to mass tomorrow or go to mass, I guess there's probably um, a vigil, use that time to just pick one of these things and talk to them about it. I mean, maybe it's just talking about somebody who's died that you miss and remember, remember that person. Anyway, hopefully this has been helpful, and um, I'm grateful for the time. I'm uh, next time we'll have uh, Stephanie, and and um, that'll make it a little bit less of my of my ranting. But um, hopefully it was positive for me. I think it's always good for us to kind of go back and look at the truths, and that if there is something that's a solemnity that's being celebrated by the church, that that there are things that it's calling us to kind of look at to recognize to remember and then maybe reinvigorate ourselves to follow what we're being called to remember and so use this time um in the middle of the week to thank jesus for what he's done to thank god for giving us a mother in mary and so anyway i think the the verse uh of the week will be 1 corinthians 15:22 let me see if I can get that before this 1522 is um, for as an Adam all die. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. Um, remember, pray, pair with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless you guys. Um, happy solemnity of uh, the Assumption of Mary, and have a great rest of the week. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood.